have your Bibles this morning. Turn with you to James chapter 1. <clears throat> Scripture reading is verses 22 through 25. I want to draw your attention to verse number 26. The, the subject today is religion. Notice what he says. If any man among you seem to be religious. So today, what is religion? Well, it's the outward show of what we do for the Lord. So it could be, you could be a religious person if you put money in the offering plate. Now, most people, nobody would know that, but it is an outward show, okay? If you do it quietly, it's quiet. Nobody knows. There are times people come up to me and give me an envelope and say, would you put this in? I don't want anybody to know. And so that's a part of religion. The Pharisees wanted their religion to be out in the open. They wanted to get credit for it. I want you to listen to this. Everybody in this room your religion is obvious to somebody. Your outward show of faith is obvious to some people. The question, is it real? There's a reason why the next generation doesn't follow a lot of us, because they see family as not real. Did you know that's been going on for 2,000 years? James, who wrote this book, most theologians believe he was the brother of Jesus Christ, half-brother of Christ, but we know he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. On one Sunday morning, they had 3,000 people to join, so it was a large church. But James had a burden. If you read the book of James all the chapters of the book of James, you would find out he had a burden for people to be real, for their religion to be real for the Lord's sake. We're going to look at that in just a minute. But I want you to notice he uses two words in verses 22 through 25, doers and hearers. Most of the time when you're in trouble as a child, your mom or dad would say, did you hear me? How many ever had that happen to you? Okay, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Okay, did you hear me? All right, well, that's okay, except when they say, David Lee, did you hear me? Well, my ears perked up when I heard the Lee part, because that was unusual. Well, what would happen if the Lord looked at you and he said, David Lee? Yes, Lord, I'm listening. Well, picture Verses 22 through 25 is saying to every Christian, David Lee, Rick Clark, what's your middle name, Rick? Neil. Neil. Rick Neil. Richard, Richard Neil. I'll get it right. He's only been a member for 25 years. I'll get it right one of these days. Richard Neil, if you ever heard that from your mom, did you ever hear that? How about your wife? Oh, don't answer that one. Don't answer that one, okay? Don't answer that one. But if you hear it from your mom, we all heard it from our moms from time to time. And uh, what they're trying to do is get us to do more than just hear. 
but to be a doer. Now, notice in this passage, look, I want you to see, you have to be a doer for three people in this passage. A doer is someone that that gets things done. A hearer is someone that thinks about getting things done. They hear what they ought to do, but they don't do it. So notice, if you would, number one, I want you to see the last part of verse 21. He says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The first doer is the one that sees his soul saved. You've got to do one thing to be saved. Everybody in this room, you've got to do one thing. You've got to be a doer. You might say, well, pastor, what is it I've got to do? Well, it's not you've got to be baptized. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So the good news does not include baptism. It is a part of the Christian life. It's a part of religion for your outward show, but it's not a part of the gospel. Read 1 Corinthians and you'll see that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, you'll notice if you would, then all of a sudden here you and I are, uh, we realize that we want to go to heaven. And I would ask this morning, how many of you want to go to heaven? I hope every room, every hand would be raised. There's one thing you got to do. Well, tell me what it is, Pastor. Well, um, go to church. Well, well, I do that. No, that's not it. Well, be baptized. We have one to be baptized this morning, but that's not it. Well, to give money, uh, to be a tither. Well, but that's not it. What happens if I change? Look, if you would, in James chapter 1 and verse number 26. If any man among you seem to be religious but bridleth not his own tongue, this man's religion is vain. So if you seem to be religious but you let some word slips around people that say, oh, he's, he's not real. Being real is not what saves you. One thing you got to do. One thing. Paul said in Romans, for all have sinned. Everybody in this room, we're sinners. We know that. I doubt there's anybody in this room that would say, now, last week a man came in, or two weeks ago a man came in the office, and uh, I started talking to him about the Lord, and I said, you know, uh, uh, have you have you trusted the Lord yet in your life? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I haven't committed any sins recently. Well, I do every day, and I'm really trying. How did you manage that? I don't sin anymore. He doesn't understand the Scripture. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Even after we do this one thing, we're still sinners, but our desires are different. Our doing is different after we do this one thing. Now, I want you to, I want to draw your attention to this one thing. And so a lot of people say, well, if you'll pray and you'll do it this way, or if you'll, you'll do this or you'll do that, there's a litany of things that you can do and it'll help you get to heaven. Those will not help you get to heaven. There's only one thing. In Romans chapter 10, he says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And verse 13 says, for whosoever, 
anybody that shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that one thing is come to the Lord with your heart and say, Lord, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I'm a sinner, but I want you to forgive me of my sin. The thief on the cross was saved. Paul was saved on the road to Emmaus. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, he was saved. He, was, he went to Jerusalem to the church, and he had a copy of Isaiah with him, but he left and said, I still don't know how to get to heaven. And God sent Philip to him and said, this one thing you must do. And he says, what is it? And he said, you must ask the Lord to save you, and he'll do it. So today, if you're going to be a hearer, you can just say, now, if you have your Bible, turn me if you would. I want you to see a hearer about this one thing. Notice if you would, uh, take your Bible and turn to Acts 24. You're going to see a hearer, not a doer. Acts 24, notice with me if you would. Acts 24, verse number 24. After certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Okay, now here it is. He's listening to what that one thing is to be saved. In verse 25, and they, as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to trust Christ as my Savior. No, look what he did. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And he hoped that money, also that money should be given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the offering and communed with him, verse 27, after two years. He had the privilege of the apostle Paul come to him and say, you need to trust the Lord. You need to pray today between you and the Lord. You must be born again. Jesus said that in John 3, 3. And he said, ah, Paul, maybe tomorrow, go your way. And Paul would. And he came back and he asked him again, what, what do I need to do, Paul? You, you need to pray and trust the Lord as your Savior. So you must be a doer to save your soul. Everybody in this room. It's not being a member of a church. It's not being baptized, not giving money. It's when you come to the Lord Jesus yourself in the genuineness of your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I can't get to heaven. I need you to take me there. Will you forgive me of my sin and bring me to heaven? And the Lord Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's what he told the thief on the cross. Now, the thief on the cross uh, he had more problems than anybody in this room. He's a murderer. He's a thief. He's receiving capital punishment for his sin, and he was saved that very day. You see, it's that simple prayer of a childlike faith that God hears. Do you understand? There are many people who say, well, that's too simple. No, it's not. Jesus Christ died for you to pay your debt of sin. This is what's not simple. Lord, I'm guilty, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm going to go to hell unless you forgive me. 
Will you take your payment on the cross and apply it to my debt so I can go to heaven? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You got to do that to get to heaven. Now, you know why it's hard? Because you got to kneel in your heart. And we're a proud people. How many of you have ever seen an athlete make a touchdown and, and go over to the quarterback and point to him? No, it's me, me. I did this. I did that. I did this. Look, he doesn't uh, point it out necessarily many times, most times, to the offensive linemen. And they're big guys, but maybe his helmet's on crooked where the guy put his hand up through there and he's blocking for him. And all he can is run there and catch the ball and goes and makes a touchdown. He's, it's me, it's me, it's me. That's like us. But to humble ourselves before the great God of heaven takes doing, not just hearing. Notice what he says, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, verse 22, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, there's a lot of deception that's out there, but the simple truth of the gospel is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the hard thing is humbling ourselves before God. Now, I was saved on a Sunday morning like this, and I can tell you this, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm going to have had neck surgery, I'm going to have bones fixed. I mean, I've had screws to my legs. I mean, I've had all kinds of things. But the hardest thing that I've ever done is to get out of my seat and say, Lord Jesus, it's me today. I need to be saved and come to the front and trust Christ as Savior. That is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And this morning I got up and said, Lord, thank you for giving me the courage to be able to be saved that day. Lord, it was such a hard thing. You got to be a doer to save your soul. But you got to be a doer to strengthen yourself. Now, notice, if you would, look in verse number 23. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like, and that gives the example of what, it, what most Christians are like. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He looks in the mirror. Looks in the mirror. How many of you have a mirror in your bathroom? Raise your hand. Look at that. Oh, wait a minute. That's everybody. Why is that mirror there? How many of you get up in the morning and you pop out of bed and you're ready for church? How about you pop out of bed and you're ready for work? Now, don't say that because a lot of you are. I know that. I mean, you don't work away. You work from home. And I see every once in a while uh, on the video screen, they're sitting there in front of their TV with their slippers on. I mean, in front of their video their screen with their slippers on. And uh, we have every Tuesday, we have a uh, Zoom call with all the builders from all over the country, uh, our architects in Utah. And, and so we'll have people all over there. Well, I noticed that they don't put their screen up. It just says the name. And so this past week, you know, I put my name, I put my picture up there. I let them see I'm ready for business. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to listen. And so all these blank squares with names on them. And I said, hey, did y'all not get dressed this morning? Everybody, no, no we're dressed. I, I only see your name. Papa, 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 Papa. See, I shamed them into saying, I'm really ready for work. 
And so I looked at it and I said, wow, that's pretty cool. They, uh, they got before a mirror and they put on their shirt and they put on their, uh, their clothes and, and they combed their hair and, and they got everything ready to come to church, to come to church if, like this morning. And that's what he's saying here. He said, look, he said, you look into the mirror. Now, listen very carefully. The mirror's not the one in your closet, or, I mean, one in your, in your bathroom. It's this. This book is a glass. It's the mirror of God. If we look in here, we can see what God is like and what we're not. And the things that we need to change to be like him, look, if you would, in verse number 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. This is the book. This is the law of liberty. This is the passage. This is the book that sets Christians free, that gives us power over sin, that helps us ourselves to become strong in Christ. It helps us. Notice, if you would, in verse number 26, it helps us to be real. Look in verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue. Now, I'm just going to pause on that one because that's one that's mentioned here. You know what I think the greatest detriment to most Christians' testimonies is? That. That's what James, the pastor of that large church in Jerusalem, said. It's only been 20, 25 years since Jesus died. There were people alive, almost over 500 people saw Jesus alive after he was crucified. Don't you know that changed their lives? But he still said, there are people among you that are just hearers. You just glance at the word of God and go your way. Look at what he says. Verse 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. Isn't that what Felix did? He says, go your way, Paul. Go your way. I'm not ready to make a decision yet. You have to make a decision to clean up your tongue today. So do I. You may have to make a decision today to be positive and encouraging to people. It's our nature to be critical and mean-spirited, to pay somebody back for what they said to us or what they did to us. But it's supernatural as you look into what Jesus Christ did when he's on the cross and looks up and it says, Father, he's receiving capital punishment for nothing that he did and looks up to his Father in heaven and said, Father, pay him back. No. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the tongue that we need today. Lord, bless that person. He cheated me, but Lord, would you, would you? Forgive them and bless them. Lord, use the blessing to draw them to you. You see, our tongues are corrupt. And if we're not careful, we'll curse at people. You know what changed Peter? He was watching the trial of Jesus Christ. And a young girl came up to him, somebody for the third time, and said, you were with Jesus and your speech betrays you. Everybody else here is telling dirty jokes. They're, they're cursing a little bit. And your speech is clean. In his mind, he said, well, I can fix that. And the Bible says he began to curse and to swear. And they said, okay, you're good. You're not one of his. The James of that great church in Jerusalem said, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, he's not, a, he's not got a pleasant tongue. He's not got a kind tongue. 
Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man, Colossians 4, 6. So if your speech, uh, you rail on your wife or you rail on your husband or you rail on your brothers and sisters or your friends, uh, do you understand, he says, your religion is not real. It does not mean you're not saved. It means your testimony is not real. And people don't want that kind of religion. That is why in America, we are so far from the Lord as a nation. Because there are so few Christians that are real. I've heard deacons use foul language. I've heard, not in our church, but I've heard deacons use foul language. I've heard preachers do that. I've heard preachers losing their temper and screaming and yelling at referees and, and, and for a, just a ball game. And do you understand, he says, I don't know why they don't just take a little bit longer and look into the Word of God and it says, if any man among you seem to be religious, preacher, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. You know, we're deceiving ourselves if we're not kind and pleasant with our tongue. If you're not positive with your tongue, you're deceiving yourself. That's what he said. One of the greatest pastors to ever live, James, by the way, he was stoned to death as a martyr in 62, 63 AD, just barely 30 years after Jesus died. You know why? Because he was real. And people didn't want to hear it. You know, today, let me just say this to you. All of us, he's trying to prepare people for heaven. He's trying to help them to have a testimony in this life. Don't you all want to have a good testimony? Don't all of us in this room want to have people look at us and say, well, there goes a great Christian. I'd like to be like that. Do you understand you got to be a doer to have a great testimony? Not just a hearer. If your tongue today has gotten you in trouble this week, you ought to come to this altar and forget anybody else is in the room. That's why people don't make the decision to be a doer, to go from hearer to doers, because what will people say or think? What do we care what people say or think? We ought to care what he thinks 100%. Our whole life is geared around, as God's children, what does he think? Are you a hearer? Are you a doer? Everybody in this room, now remember, this person, this hearer is a probably good, pretty good guy, but he's not real because the Bible says he looks into God's Word. Notice, he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. He's at least reading his Bible. He's just not making a decision about doing it. But he's reading it regularly. He's looking at it regularly. Do we read a copy of God's Word regularly? That's what he says it takes to be a doer. You would not think about going to your bathroom and getting dressed without that mirror. And a Christian should not think about stepping outside of his home without first having looked into the mirror of the Word of God and say, Lord, what can I do today to be more like you? Lord, how can I take my tongue and make it where I'm real? Lord, I want to be real. I want to make a difference for you. Don't you when you get older. I have been at the, gra- at the, at the bedside of many Christians 
and many people in their last time, hours, days. Very few of them. Pastor, I've really tried to do what's right. Only one of them has ever looked at me and said, as far as I know, everything is right between the Lord and I. As I looked into God's Word, applied it to my life, it's the best I can do. And I've asked the Lord to help me. Only one person ever said that. And yet Jesus died for all of us in this room. I've preached, I don't know how many funerals, only one. I know there's been some some Christians that maybe they didn't take the time to say it, but they lived it. But this passage, James is worried about people that are just hearers of God's Word. There are some Christians, they don't take a copy of the Word of God and read it very much, but they don't realize it's like going to your bathroom without your, without your, your mirror. <coughs> you can't be ready for the day unless you go to that mirror. And you and I can't be ready for the day unless we go to the mirror of the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit speak to our heart. Now, I want you to listen to this part. And, and I'm going to tell you a little story at the end. You cannot change yourself. The Bible says that the day we get saved, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Holy Spirit comes to live with us in our heart. The Holy Spirit takes up a abode in our heart. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, you're not your own You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit. Okay? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God and you're not your own. So the day you become a doer, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and dwells with you. And the reason for that is that, number one, He can seal us. We're on our way to heaven. He is the down payment of the uh, of the trip to heaven. He said, one of these days I'm going to come get you, Jesus said, whether it's death or rapture. But in the process or in the meantime, I'm going to give you a down payment. And that is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in every Christian's life. If everybody in this room has trusted Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart. And so now the hearer says, okay, Holy Spirit, I heard you say you should Go talk to so-and-so and encourage them. But I don't. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, James 2. This author said that. It's sinful not to do the things you ought to do. And so what he's trying to do, folks, he's not trying to get after us and point his finger at us and tell us how lousy a Christian we are. He's trying to encourage us to be like Christ. He's trying to encourage you to be all that you can be in Christ. He's trying to encourage you to be in his image so that when people see you, they'll say the same thing about you they did about the early Christians. There goes a Christian, a little Christ, because they saw Jesus in them. 
They saw their voices change. They, they, they were kind and pleasant, and they were forgiving, and they were encouraging, and they said, you weren't like that two years ago. No, Jesus changed my, my tongue. I see. And they would tell people about Christ. You see, a doer is someone that looks into God's Word daily. Here's what the Holy Spirit says. Dave Pittman, you need to work today on being kind. Okay, Holy Spirit, I will. And I yield myself to him, and he guides my steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So you and I don't know the path that we're going to take for that day, but he does. And he says, if you're ready and prepared, he says, I'm going to use you today. Don't all of us want to be used for the glory of the Lord? Yes. This is a place where you can be challenged as you can look into God's Word, into the mirror of God's Word and say, that's something I need to do differently. You know what? I want you to have a great marriage. I want you young people to be great children for the Lord's sake. But I can't make you do that. You have to say, Lord, I want to be a doer. I'll do my best. That means then you've got to be good to your wife. You've got to talk good to her. You've got to brag on her. You've got to encourage her. And that means, wives, you've got to brag on your husband and be good to your husband. Well, you don't know my husband. Not much to brag about. Well, you've got to ask the Lord to help you see it. You know, a lot of times our eyes don't see good things, but they're there. And sometimes some people just need an example to say, I can do that. Now, I want you to notice, James died after he wrote this book. And if you read James chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, you're going to find a challenge to your life as you look into the Word of God. Your speech will be different. He even says this. Listen very carefully. He said if someone comes into your church and they don't have on as such nicest clothes as, as maybe I've got on or, or Rick's got on, and you say, hey, you, you sit over there on that side, way in the back. He said, your religion's ruined. He said, look, you treat everybody the same. You love them. That's in this book. James wrote it. James said, your speech has got to be different. The way you treat people has got to be different. He said, you have to be real, and you can make an eternal difference. Do you realize everybody in this room is one of these days is either going to go to heaven by rapture or death if you're a Christian. If you've done the simple thing of salvation, trusted Christ as Savior, then you're on your way to heaven. Now, the question is, will you... Take care of your own self and say, Lord Jesus, uh, dear Holy Spirit, will you guide me? Would you help me to see the things that need to be different in my life? Uh, I want you to listen to this verse. I'm just going to read it to you. And I want you to think about this as you listen to this verse. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read it to you real quickly. Uh, know you not, be not deceived. Same word in this passage. Don't be misled. Neither fornicators or idolaters or abusers of themselves with mankind, or thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners. And such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, look, you're different. 
be real. I then would ask you, if you take your Bible and turn to James chapter 1, and notice verse 27, why you're real. Why is it that you want to be real? Why is it you want to do what's right? Why is it you want your religion to be real? Well, notice verse number 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Your religion needs to be real first before God himself. In order for you to have a good testimony, you want to be real before the Lord. How many ever heard of W.A. Criswell, pastor of the First Baptist Church? He's in heaven now. Died at 92. His church had 26,000 members in it when he was retired. But W.A. Criswell, tremendous preacher, loved people, wrote many books. But in his biography, he was telling his story to his biographer. And the biographer's listening. And the biographer's name, we're going to leave that out. But he heard his testimony. He said, could you repeat that? Well, my testimony, yes. And listen. He said, I was 10 years old. And Reverend John Hicks came to my church. And it was during a two-week revival campaign. And Mr. Hicks stayed in my home. My parents invited him to stay with me, us. And I was smitten by the holiness and the godliness of Dr. Hicks. He was a young man, W.A. Criswell. And one day he asked permission to leave school early because it was a 10 o'clock revival service, and he just had to be there. Entering the church, he sat directly behind his mother and drank in every word that Mr. Hicks, the preacher, said. When Pastor Hicks gave the invitation, he said, I went forward. And with tears, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Years later, he's telling this to his biographer. After he repeated the story, his biographer said this, I can't believe that. He said, Johnny Hicks was one of my good friends. I was at his bedside when he died. He said, Wallace... That's the first name of W.A. Crystal's biographer. My life is over. My days of preaching are done. I've really never done much for Christ. I'm afraid I've failed. Dr. Crystal, I don't know how many thousands your ministry has led to Christ, but did you know Mr. Hicks, Pastor Hicks, didn't know that you were saved in one of his meetings. He was a faithful, godly preacher behind the scenes that nobody really knew. And he thought he had not done much for Christ. But when he got to heaven, what a surprise. Do you understand today? 
If you're faithful, you look into the Word of God and you see the things that the Holy Spirit says you need to change. And you're a doer. When you see the Lord, there will be joy in your heart. Today, don't let the world make you a hearer and not a doer. Because when you see the Lord, you want Him to be pleased with you. Everybody in this room, the Lord can be pleased with you. But you've got to make a decision. My old myself now can improve, and I want to, Lord. Give your Holy Spirit control of my life. Today, would you be willing to do that? Lord, I want to be all that you want me to be. Never stop changing. Pastor Hicks, faithful, quiet man. You've never heard of him. I never heard of him. But God uses little people to make eternal differences. Don't you want to see your grandchildren? See someone that's real? Your children? Don't you want them to see someone that's real? People at your workplace? Don't you want them to see somebody that's real? Pure religion before God. That your tongue is undefiled. Let's buy a word of prayer this morning. I want to encourage you, don't be a failure. Be a victor. This morning, we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to stand to sing. Uh, could I encourage you to forget anybody else who's in the room? If the Holy Spirit touched your heart and said, I want you to change something, why don't you come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm willing. I'll change it. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll improve it. I want to encourage you to come to this altar. It's just open for us. Maybe you've never been baptized. I encourage you to come. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you've been saved and baptized. You'd like to be a part of our church. I encourage you to come. We'd love to have you join our church. We're going to have a word of prayer. If you need to come, you come to this altar. This is for you. Lord Jesus, speak to hearts this morning. Father, we can do nothing without you. I pray that you'd help everybody in this room to be a doer this morning, dear Lord, and not just a hearer for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.